Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Pistol, and we have a special podcast today, one that we've taken some of the best ideas from the community and come up with a super coach think tank to talk about how we can best improve the game and we have for this podcast two very special guests you've probably heard them more times than you've heard anyone else we have jb and chizo how are you guys going jb um, i'm good mate uh, i'm enjoying pistol host 2020 it's my favorite podcast of the year <laughs> no pressure <laughs> None. <laughs> None whatsoever. It's not like we've set a high bar or anything. No, it's true. I, I like I like this thing. These two guys, you've probably heard more than anyone else. It's like everyone that listens to the podcast just listens to nothing else whatsoever. Or maybe we just do too many episodes. What, what are you trying to imply? Yeah, there was a lot this year with all of the games all over the place. And Every, I everyone's that... been sitting in silence in their <laughs> yeah. homes for waiting for, for the, the last podcast. two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, none. So, look, we're, we're here to save everyone from their boredom um because i imagine you know the new iphone's been released and people have you know downloaded all their previous apps and they're just like ah go on mate to listen to tell everyone podcasts what did you pick up (laughs) no i got an iphone 12 today so (laughs) just just a little bit happy (laughs) just had to slide that in you're not here for anyone's boredom you're here to just show off your new iphone i get it yeah guys let me tell you what i bought today (laughs) (laughs) all right so we do have a a podcast planned it wasn't just uh this is what we've been up to type of podcast um for starters i do want to say and just knock it straight off the bat that the reason we're coming up with a super coach think tank think tank and game improvements isn't because we're you know whingy complainers about the game and you know we hate the game and it's terrible it's the complete opposite. It's uh, We're doing this because we're passionate about the game. We love the game. We want to see cool things that are in the game. We want it to improve, and we love it. That's why we're doing it. I think there's a misconception that every time that you you know offer suggestions, it's as a criticism, but it's not. It's uh, purely as, you know, let's try and make a already good product even better. So with that being said, we've had some very good suggestions from the community so i'm going to give each of them a little bit of a shout out and read through their idea and then i'm going to ask more well, maybe i won't ask jb based on how he's already roasted me at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> but i'll ask chizo how he thinks what he thinks of the ideas and we'll uh, we'll just go from there so for first up we've got some injury ideas and how to handle injuries and the first one is from bex he says he wants some sort of injury based price lock so for example you won't fall in price if you play less than 50% time in ground for the match or, let's say, 0% time on the ground in the final quarter and that that score doesn't contribute to their three-round rolling average, which is what pricing is based off. So what would happen is a player would get injured in the game. You would cop their low score. Let's say they score 10 points. You would cop that if they get you know, out for the whole season, you would need to still burn a trade and get rid of them, but they wouldn't fall, you know, 50, 60K in price. So you wouldn't suffer from having to trade in, you know, a much worse player um, because of that injury. And I guess on the flip side, there would be less bargains throughout the season. Not everyone would be able to, you know, purchase the Bailey Smiths um, and have, you know, a much more similar team as the year progresses because there just wouldn't be as many value selections. And so people would have, you know, different teams and it might even be harder to complete your side, which is probably a good thing. So we'll we'll throw to Chizo first. Um, What's your take on this idea? Look, I don't mind it. I think the... 
it's a double whammy, isn't it? You're not only having to cop a poor score from one of your players to get a, a long-term injury. Uh, is there any differentiation that Mexico makes between um, just a singular game where they might have done a hammy in their back and um, you know some of these miraculous hammies that we saw in 2020 where they're back the following week? Um, or, or is it, it just relating to long-term, inju- long-term injury type things? I think that's... Uh, I'm, I think, I'm, I think, I think the saying. idea is just around falling of price because i think mm. we all know that when someone gets injured and they have a bad score it kills their cash generation plus you know if it is even a one week or a two week they just fall so much in price and it's a three round rolling average right so yeah. they fall for three rounds it's yeah. not like it's a one week and then they're fine and the price goes back to normal like you yeah. suffer for three weeks yeah um, and players players get massive discounts i mean i'm not sure if you were a whitfield owner at the beginning of the year but I'm pretty sure we all were, and for other people to pick up Whitfield for 200k cheaper, essentially on his starting price or 160k odd, um, that's just a massive advantage. And there was nothing; the owners had suffered enough. You know, we'd we'd gotten the poor score; he'd missed, uh, I think, the next week or two, and you know, everyone got him for cheaper. Like it just mm. completely it was a huge advantage. And I guess for people like Bex, you know, removing some of the luck base and, you know, pushing that shift towards uh, the skillful players doing better is probably, you know, in his personal favor. So I think uh, that idea is kind of um, something that would be very important to him and people who consider themselves, you know, skillful players. Yeah, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Any changes that you can make where the more skilled you are, the better... Um you know, chance you are of, of ranking well, not getting the double hit of, you know, losing price. I, I guess it, it it doesn't impact you if you don't plan on trading them out, but it does impact you in a way that you may have had a point of difference that everyone else will have in a fortnight's time once they've dropped in cash. I don't mind the idea of a price lock. Um, I, I think that maybe 50% is too, too low. It, ne- it needs to be something where they've been, um, you know, if... if like a 40%. Uh, yeah, I think, or a I, think it needs, I think it needs to be a little bit, a little bit lower like if someone plays um you know the 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 entirety of the first quarter and gets knocked out in the second quarter I think um that's kind of you know it, it is bad luck there's nothing you can do about it. I don't think we should be trying to like overprotect people for you know he he played 50% or 60% of the game and the, but then he got knocked out I don't want to have his score counted. I think it has to be something where, you know, and they may have contributed 80 points to you at that, that point, so it's not even that bad. I think it's got to be those situations where um, the second contest of the game, someone gets knocked out and you get not only a zero, but then you get the, the, the price drop um, and then they probably miss the week after. I think that's more uh, more where that kind of, I, I, I see that applying. I don't, I think 50% is probably for me just a little bit, too high and covers too many, you know, mediocre scenarios because there's going to be injuries. There's no way we can avoid that. But if we try and give us like an out option for just mediocre hammies and stuff that happen at the start of the third quarter and they've been on the bench for a lot of the first half, you know, like I think, I I think it's got to be a significant drop from there. Maybe we take their, their average, you know, uh, percentage of game time if they have, 50% 50% less of what their normal game time is as opposed to the total game. Um, something like that might be something useful, uh, more yeah. useful. 
No, it's sure. And JB, um, what if instead of a time on ground threshold that you need to pass, what if it was uh, a score threshold that you need to pass? So for example, what if they, every player had to clear, let's say 30 points, and if they didn't clear 30 points, um, maybe you would get your emergency score instead. Do you think something like that could work? I'm actually really against this idea as a whole uh, without the stipulation. So um, the way I look at it is, is if you're going to pick someone like Nat Fife, um, you kind of deserve to have that injury risk because that's, I mean, you're picking him with that injury risk. If he does then get injured, um, then I don't think it's unnecessary for someone to have to pay full toe odds uh, for said player considering they knew the risks when they started him. The one that gets me is the, like Chizo and yourself have said, the player that gets knocked out in the first contest, the not necessarily injury-prone players, um, the players that you pick that don't really have that risk, copying the full total odds on those players is where it gets dicey um, and where people would like to stamp it out and eliminate the, the luck factor in the game, but it's not necessarily luck factor for all the players. Um, that do get injured. So I don't know how or where we differ- differentiate. I can never pronounce that word correctly. Um, <laughs> between the players that are injury prone and getting injured and people are taking this risk. I'd start Fife every year if I knew I wouldn't cop a price drop on him. I actually don't start him because I know I'll probably get him cheaper during the year. So um, I think it takes out a few tactics in the game. I think it makes it a little bit easier for casuals to start um, players that are injury prone. And the only time that it actually comes into... Like it comes ha- uh, handy for those who are like mostly skillful at the game is when it happens to one of their point of difference players or non-injury prone players and it's something like a, a concussion rule where you, you can't really predict it and um, you can't do anything about it so I, I think it's too hard to really separate one from the other and I, I just, I don't know, I'm not big on the rule personally what about a concussion rule then? What about not just a, oh, he's done a hammy? What about if you have to go through the whole concussion protocol where you're off for 20 minutes to go downstairs and get tested? Um, maybe that's something that comes with it. If it, it because I can, you know, as we becoming more conscious of um, uh, CTE and like the, the effects of repeated concussions in professional sport, maybe it's a rule we bring in because in the future years we're going to have a significant increase of you know maybe uh, players getting checked for concussion during a game yeah in that I instance think, yeah, I, yeah i think the rule could could be implemented if it was strictly a concussion rule um in that instance i'd actually like it to be heavier on the side of the person who owns the player and um have the potential of um subbing in an emergency score for that player so I don't know how deep we can get into it, but I think concussion scores and then price drops during the year are really, really... The, the penalty is so harsh for something that is so out of our... And usually the players control as well. So you can see the most timid players um, just get slung, sling tackled into the ground. Um, people usually get suspended off of these as well. Um, Non-supercoach relevant players get suspended for um, bumping players high. Uh, it's It's a really high price to pay for something that... Um, not many people can control besides the the offender. Yeah, so that that's a good leading point to the next idea from uh, Pete Garriga of the Real Rock Coaches. So he pretty much says, how about instead of you know having twenty two scoring players each week, we have our twenty two players, but it's just best twenty one scores count. So every week you have kind of an injury contingency where. 
if somebody is KO'd or somebody does get an early injury, their score just doesn't count anyway. And, you know, if you have two KOs, well, that's very bad luck. But as a whole, you just have kind of that one extra bit of safety every round. Um, what, what do you make of that one, Chiso? I'm not a huge fan of this one because I think the more the bigger the field is for players contributing to our overall score, the bigger the chances are that better players will be able to extrapolate their expertise and extend the way from the pack. I think if you're you start reducing the size, and I know it's only one, but just you know, in principle for a second, if you start reducing the size of players that are contributing towards your overall score, a lot more luck comes into the equation um, than, you know, if you had a, a 10-person squad compared to a 22-person squad, um, it, it, there's the, the greater chance that um, you know, coaches that don't quite have the same skill can, you know, kind of bluff their way through just by the, the, the way that they've sort of made the game easier in some, some respects. So I, I don't like the idea of any, you know, any given week you might have an injury, so we'll just one of your your lower score on field doesn't count because that doesn't really account for those players that do the hammy in like um, the the fourth quarter anyway. And so it's you, you're going to be knocking off one of your rookies the majority of the first half of the season anyway. So I'm not super sure that that's a, a, a change that I, I see any benefit in. Yeah, I liked the idea when I first read it, but then when I thought about it and thought, how can I... I guess, take advantage. So exactly what you said, where the more experienced coaches, they think of a rule change and they think, hey, how am I going to get the most out of this and get ahead of the pack? And I think I would just play 21 players. Like I just would spend that extra money instead of having another, you know, mid-pricer. I would just get 21 best of the best and have a better 21 players than any other team. And if someone gets injured, they get injured. But I would be hoping... Yeah, just get a rookie sword. It's not really that bad of a penalty. Mm. It's a good idea though. So I... yeah, so I, th- I think that's kind of how I would take advantage of that. So, yeah, I kind of um, I liked, I definitely liked it when I first read it. Um, JB, do you have anything to add to that idea? No, yeah, it's sort of like the first rule, um, but I'm further against this one than the first one. Um, <laughs> this one's yeah, let more in your control and more exploitable. The first one is less in your control, but still, I don't want to see the um, the full total advantage for like, injury prone players type of thing. All right, so I guess to summarize the injury-prone dilemma that we have, we're pretty much stuck on either not making any changes or just making changes particularly for those that have concussion-based injuries. Yeah, I think concussion's the big one. Yeah, They go through that whole protocol so you know when it's a concussion, when it's not a concussion (laughs) because it has to be logged. There's no, like, fake concussions. Sorry, I was just so laughing be because I was, I was about to say, you know, it's not like a soft tissue injury. You can't be prone to a concussion. And then I thought to myself, there's so many players that are prone to concussion because they <laughs> just go headfirst into contests. <laughs> they are. They definitely are. And I guess there's, they don't, they're not great super coach selections because you know they're going to miss multiple games a lot of the time. So mm. you, you kind of stay away from them anyway. But it just really protects against those players that have the odd concussion or, yeah. or not that are just unexpected. So I think we all kind of like that leaning towards you know protecting those type of plays instead so with that being said i'm going to move on to some trade ideas um first up we have a couple ideas from uh baloo baggers he says he wants to introduce an in-season bonus trade uh for a coach that gets a player in their team diagnosed with a season ending injury i'm just gonna kind of hit this on the head i think the problem is the later in the season if someone does a one-week hammy 
or a two-week hammy you know, in the last round or second round. It's, it's a season-ending injury. So it's a bit difficult. It'd have to be limitations where it says this first is half. only applicable to, yeah, first half, the first five first rounds. First ten rounds or something know. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then once if someone comes back early from an injury, um, I mean, obviously some injury types will be teetering on the line of if they come back round 22 or not. And then it's like, do you know if they will be awarded a bonus trade or not? I just think there's, it's too much of a fine line to say for sure that somebody's not going to, you know, be awarded a bonus trade or not get a bonus trade. What if it's, it was a uh, Josh Kelly one week injury that lasts six weeks, but it ends up lasting 20 weeks, mm. you know? then you're like well why didn't I get an injury trade earlier so um, I'm just going to jump into his next one he says he wants to reduce the total number of trades to 24 trades and he says that no one should be able to finish full premium JB I'll jump to you first for this one Uh, what do you make of reducing the trades back down to 24 Um, so it would it would go with our whole um, trying to eliminate like trying to make it so the skillful players rise to the top um, in having not being able to get full premium, having to utilize your your cash better, maybe more mid price madness, um, nailing more of those mid range picks would become more important, or maybe keeping a rookie around like for example Rao um, or Walsh, we would have kept them for the entire season perhaps. Um, so I think it, it brings in more tactics, but it gets a lo- gets rid of a lot of tactics that we do also um, enjoy. So I don't know. It wouldn't quite be the same game. I'd love if Supercoach sort of branched out into like a more extreme game um, and had something like, you know, less trades and um, like no loophole or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but um, something a little more extreme for the people that do enjoy um, like going harder on the, the mid-tier players and trying to nail those picks. But I don't think it's an exactly... I don't think it's beneficial for our game and, it, and I can 100% tell it would it would drive a lot of casuals away from the game if it became um, more difficult. It's already the most difficult uh, fantasy sports game with AFL. I can see Chizo nodding in the background <laughs> while yeah. you're talking for that. It, it, yeah. my, my point is that, like, as a absolute... Like, maybe the thing is, like, you could sign up, you could run your own, like, league where you could customise how many trades you had or yeah, you could customize yeah. certain settings so it's like um you know a pistol your personal league ranks in the top 10 more often than not of overall leagues and wouldn't it be cool knowing that the majority of us have a, a really good strong background at supercoach if we could elect to play a slightly different format in that so like even though in overall we still have the ability to use the standard amount of trades um, but in like the the specific league, you could choose um, like a, a separate team that only has a certain amount of trades or something like that, like a, a separate kind of format um, that still works with a salary cap. I think uh, maybe that would be cool. But I think in the overall um, the overall competition, they're not going to reduce trades. Um, you know, they don't want to ruin the integrity by making it AFL fantasy where you just get a bajillion trades every week forever, and you can just do whatever you want with the team and. You know, most decisions don't have a like a massive amount of impact overall because you can just get rid of them the next week. But in terms of supercoach, they don't want to have too few because yes, it will make it harder and drive the casuals away. But they also want people on their site and stuff like that. So um, it's going to every you know choice that we kind of put forward, every idea has to be a balance of 
you know, is this realistic for them to, to implement because, um, you know, this, this is still a game that they're trying to run as a business as well as we love it as a, 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 a the game side of things. So I think there's, there's going to be a balance between still keeping people actively engaged on his site as opposed to, you know, having a, a handful of um, trades for everyone where they, they, you know, can only do, um, you know, 24 trades and they run out by round 10 sort of thing. So you, you, you both have kind of uh, jumped to my, uh, without knowing, um, one of my recommendations. So I guess I'll just talk about it. Well, um, I didn't hear you come up with it. It's right in here. <laughs> I've written down here. He's I've trying got... to steal our ideas. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> exactly. I've got a, a customizable leagues option. And I think uh, yeah. how often do we hear, oh, I'm playing for leagues, I'm not playing for overall. And I just think, okay, let's just call it what it is. Let's have, instead of, you know, we've got a separate draft team, we have a separate overall team, let's have a separate league team. So if you want to play just leagues, you can play just leagues and not competing against the people in overall. But then give people options for those leagues. Like some of examples I came up with for, you know, customizable leagues would be um, setting a salary cap so you could increase or decrease in, you know, half a million increments. So you could um, turn up the volume or turn down the vol- turn difficulty. <laughs> three mil salary cap. Yeah, three million salary <laughs> Like you could do 15 million salary cap. You could do whatever salary cap you want. Um, an option to decrease or increase the trades. So just have more flexibility there. Um, different ways of like scoring your league. So you could have a league where it's head-to-head like how it is currently. A league where it's just the total score wins at the end of the season. Um, or something kind of like uh, the Moto, um, the Grand Prix. You know, if you come first, you get like 15 points. Second, you get 12 points. And it kind of tallies up every week. Oh, so like overall every week. Yeah. So every week it contributes to like an overall score. Cool. I think uh, something like that. How you would could... you do fastest lap? <laughs> you could do an, a new a new team Paddy each Pol. week. Best, best preseason side. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. we, we, uh, do, who gets through to Q three? No, oh, look, look, it's it's gone. You've gone past my uh, MotoGP knowledge, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't even rebut any of these. Um, so yeah, it could be new new teams every week. Um, potentially, you could set up a league in like a cup format. If you want to have a competition where it's just a head-to-head knockout competition, I think if they of, did a custom you know, a league, league, they would have a guaranteed three players here in this podcast right now and i think it'd be wildly popular wild so so do i i think Mm. almost everyone that plays for overall would probably give it a bash to have the leagues and i think leagues would be more popular than overall i think we all agree uh in agreement there but it also means that some people who've never really had the chance to play for overall uh finally get you know a time to do so i I know there's people i never play for leagues exactly Yeah, yeah me either so there we go. It's rare to never play for leagues, but um, there's people that had cash leagues this year in our Slack, and they were talking to me. They found themselves um, in the top 30, um, you know, with 10 rounds to go, and they're like, I'm only playing for league. I'm not even trying to win overall, and now I'm in a position where I need to make a call if I'm going to go for overall, if I'm going to go for league. And mm. that's... You what know, a position to can. be in. <laughs> it's a great position to be in. Yeah. But, I'm like, I'm trying to know. make top 15K or top eight of my league. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and if it's about... Well, it, it's like rivalry league because we, we have a, a bunch of our awesome patrons that will inbox us in our you know individual team chats are like, um, you know, I've got to make a trade this week for, for rivalry league. I'm like, dude, it's, it's a buy. What are you talking about? You know, sort of thing. So, like, it's... Um, I think having them separated would be great. Yeah, and and I think uh, in terms of user engagement, I think you get people on the site a lot longer if they have 
more teams, right? If I was mm. able to create an overall team and a league team, I would be on the side even longer than I currently am, which is far too yeah. long. So and I'll tell you right um, now, I would have yeah. a lot more fun in my league team um, selecting mid-prices and like following players that I wanted to follow with no stress about losing in overall. Um, I, I think I would have a lot more enjoyment playing casually in a league um, and it, it sort of it would definitely keep me on the site. It would make me a more avid user of Supercoach, 100%, because I'd be following more players, funder players. If they were successful, I'd have a better year. Um, if they were unsuccessful, you wouldn't hear from me again. Like that, that, that sort of that sort of thing. So I, I really do think there's so much potential there. I'm glad we stumbled onto that for you to uh, for you to jump on their pistol. <laughs> Wish you had a thought about it. It was it, it was pretty though. good pretty good to come up with those uh, dot points after we initially that came was up quick with the idea. So yeah, yeah, really, yeah, really quick yeah, thinking. Yeah, and uh, JB, I did, I did come up one on the spot <laughs> while you were talking, JB. You could even have a league where you can only pick players under a certain price. So you could cap it oh, at like four hundred k. Madness! You can't pick anyone that averaged over a hundred the year before or something. Yeah, something like that. Have everyone, everyone between two hundred and five hundred k. Good with yeah. that. <laughs> I think it would be interesting. We'll jump into the last point of Baloo before we get uh, you know lost in this because we could probably talk about we it have. for too long. Um, his last one, he says a price reduction. It doesn't say a percentage. Let's say 5%, maybe 10% uh, for the following season of any player that gets traded clubs. He said it would create more interest in the AFL trade period because of the Supercoach implications. And he said it also would create positive Supercoach social media attitudes towards these players as they've been traded clubs who are probably going through a little bit of a difficult time. So he's such a great bloke. He's thinking about the players and, and how they get more support um, of people following them and you know um, being invested in their careers uh, because they get a little bit of a cheeky Supercoach discount. It's kind of mm. true, yeah. Um, I mean, there would be a lot, a lot of positivity. I, I started Tom Mitchell after he got traded from Sydney. Um, imagine if he had a discount. Oh my god, I'm, I'm going back to how many yeah. thousands of dollars I would have won. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if it's necessary because uh, if Josh Dunkley got traded to the the Bombers, sorry to bring it up, uh, Chizo, but he sorry. he would have been like midfield, mid forward, whatever he was, he would have been the first player picked in my team. So I think some of them sort of pick themselves based on their new role or based on the trade anyway. Um, and if they don't, I'm not sure a percentage amount of price off the top would really convince me to take them. I think they're either a good pick mm. because of their role or they're not, like regardless of the price. Like, I mean, what is it? If if someone's... What did he suggest? A 5% gap? Oh, were, I just... I just okay, so for example, say, say it's one. 10% and someone's 600K. If they're 540K but they're still going to you know, play in a poor role, like, are you, are you going to pick them? Is it, is it going to be the difference between choosing someone who... Like, would you pick Trelaw just with a, a bit of a discount this year? I don't, I don't know if I would. Um, Let's make it 30%. <laughs> in that instance, yeah, I probably would, but but that <laughs> but that would just make like I'm picking Zach Williams regardless. So you know, getting a thirty percent discount on him is just like what a bonus. It's just I don't think it's completely necessary. Fair I think enough. it would make it too easy for everyone just to select them, so that you wouldn't be forced, you wouldn't be faced with the option to be, do I recognise that this is a bit of a risky selection, but the payoff would be big if they actually perform as opposed to, ah, he's only 400K, everyone just gets him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we're in agreement there. But I just do want to give uh, Blue Baggers a, a clap on the back, a pat on the back, I should clap say, just 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 for how outside the box that idea was. Like never in a million years would I have come up with that idea. So I totally appreciate. Nonetheless, cheese on I said it first on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, what what if, what a what an outside the box thinker there. Um, we've got the next one here from Luke the Sutz Factor, and he says that he wants a bit more flexibility with trading in Supercoach. He thinks we replace the trades with just one free trade per week, and you can bank them if you don't use them up to a maximum of three across three consecutive weeks. But any subsequent subsequent trade would cost you 100 points. So taken straight from Fantasy Premier League and try to apply to Supercoach, where in that if you make an extra transfer, you can make as many extra transfers as you can at the cost of minus four points, um, which is the equivalent of like a, a goal being scored in soccer. Um, so he's saying you can make as many trades as you want for a cost of 100 points. So, Chizo, what do you make of this idea? Yeah, I, I think there are better ways to do it. I think like being able to just change your team infinitely, like amount and just cost yourself like <laughs> 2000 points worth just to get a team that you wanted is like um i think there should be a cap on on trading i, I don't think that 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 translates as well to super coach as it does in in other ones like um you know formula one fantasy and stuff like that jb yeah it works so well for premier league because there's 38 weeks for starters um, secondly, there are a lot of squad changes in that. So the best player might get rested because they're going to travel here or do that. Or, um, um, like, you know, there's got, they've got so many cup competitions, European competitions that they have to travel for, um, international breaks. Um, so I, I think in fantasy premier league, you've got to be a lot more equipped to make as many trades as you can in case of like something happens. I mean, this year with, um, COVID affecting the premier league, um, as it has, you've had to be really, really on your toes with um, who you're trading out when, and multiple people have taken um, like your minus four points for you know players that are out unexpectedly. Um, I don't think it's the same landscape in the AFL. Um, bigger squads, players get named unless they're injured. Um, you know, a week off between games guaranteed. There's not a cluster of games at any point, um, <laughs> except for this year, but. I just don't think it's quite the landscape of, of that sort of trading. I, I think it'd be fun, but I don't think it'd be um, as effective as it is in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I like the idea as like a whole. Um, I think some problems I would have is just in terms of you couldn't, you'd have to separate league play and overall play for this to work because in a league match, if you are, you know, automatically in the eight, you know, towards the end, you could just burn as many points as you wanted and there would be no impacts, you know. You could just get the perfect team and no one would be able to stop you from winning the flag and, you know, that would ruin um, league play. For overall play, I think um, 100 points is probably not enough. I think the way it works, just for Fantasy Premier League, um, it's a higher variance sport. You know, you either score a goal and you get a lot of points or you don't score a goal. Even if you are the best player on the, on the pitch but you, you don't kick a goal, you don't get any points. Whereas super coach players will average more than a hundred. You know, they'll there's players that averaged this year above 130, in which case you almost may as well cop the loss and just bring them in because they're going to make back those points, you know, in one week. Next week. 
Yeah. So it's not it's not a high enough um, cost. I think I think if that bar was raised maybe to 120 points, uh, maybe even 130 points, and it, you really had to think about whether it was worthwhile bringing them in um, for extra trades um, at the loss of a lot of points. I think then we could probably talk about it, um, and then it might work. But there would be. Yeah, it would need to have a separation between league play and, and team and um, yeah, it overall could be exploited. Play. Yeah, de- definitely exploitable. But it would create a lot of engagement, you know, further deeper into the year, just because people would be going for the weekly prize and they would say, okay, I'm going to go for the weekly prize in round 17. It's round 15 right now. Just going to change my whole team to players that would be great in round 17 and just go for the weekly prize because I've got nothing to play for anymore. So um, it would keep people on their their toes, that's for sure. But um. I think it, it certainly would need to be somewhat tweaked and probably not infinite trades as well, probably still a cap. Um, but yeah, there's there's something there, I think. Um, next up, we've got Schneids. He says, uh, my idea, and it's probably been mentioned by others, but uh, fun fact, it has not. He just said, the ability to reverse trades after lockout in cases are laid out so you can avoid a zero or having to play a bench player as long as you're able to reverse it and no one's played that was involved in the trade. I mean, relatively straightforward. How do you how do you find that one, Chizo? Just don't do your trades before lockout. <laughs> like it's, it's what we already do anyway. Don't just trade on a Thursday once teams are named. I mean, yes, that is the answer. I guess some people work <laughs> on the weekends and it's harder for them or, or something like that. Yeah, okay, but, yeah, fair enough. Uh, just there is, you're right, there is a solution already and it's just don't trade early. Um, only trade right when you, you I mean you can't avoid it in every situation because sometimes a rookie plays before the premium or premium plays before the rookie and you have to go for it early and you know that the rookie might be a laid out but um, yeah the order of events can really screw with you sorry Chizo what were you saying? Well I'll put it to you this way like uh, a, solu- uh, a scenario where I can imagine it happening um, you know, you've got a player and they're doing the warm-up um, an hour before the game and then someone pulls up a bit sore and then the news comes out, you know, half an hour before the game that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to play and, oh, I want to reverse my trades. Well, if you're that hot onto the team news in any event that you're in the ability to make a change that close to the start of the game, for example, where I could see this idea being usable, well, you're all, you're obviously also tuned into the game well enough to know to be able to do those trades just as the game's about to start anyway. So I don't see that being any benefit from what we do already because if you're in the situation to make that reverse trade before the game starts, then you're also in the situation to make the trades at the time that you know that everyone's playing. Yeah, no, totally. And and JB, you got any thoughts on this one? I mean, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think you're being a a little bit harsh because, like, why not? be able to just reverse the trades if you if you want to make the trades and um you might you might not know whether you'll have time um to check before the game you might be checking on your your toilet break at your you know at your office and you've just seen oh laid out like quickly reverse but like you know it i i I, I kind of understand it but like I, i kind of like don't understand just why not give them the ability to reverse it um i suppose the the you you like if you're close enough on a late change anyway to reverse your trades then you know like you're on it but if you can make those trades on Thursday and put your phone down and just you know not look at Supercoach until Monday 
Um, still notice that there's you know, no late changes for all the matches and you know, still have your finger on the pulse, but also not be sitting there on your phone like figuring out who you needed to sub who to make this trade work again. Um, if you could just do it on the Friday and then have a stress-free weekend, like I, I, I just don't see why not if it's yeah. within their capabilities. Yeah, I mean, probably spending less time on Supercoach isn't a good thing um, for the game makers. But, <laughs> no, but like, uh, totally. something like that, a move that you're already making, you're already on so the game little, yeah, yeah. Monday through Thursday. Um, we don't need to be watching our phones the entire weekend to make our trade sort of thing. Yeah, I think the only thing is you get you'll get all these angry messages when people have, you know, used the dual positional players to like swap a mid to a forward and they want to reverse their trade, but one of the DPPs is locked in and they can't do it. And then they complain and they send angry emails saying, oh, other people can reverse their trades and I can't and you cost me, blah, blah. I love it when we get angry inboxes on Facebook about the game. (laughs) We don't run it. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. They're like, why did this player score this much? You should have given them more points. And I'm like, you're right. We'll fix it for next time. We'll apologize. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We're so sorry. <laughs> All right, we'll jump into the next section, which is uh, just more about the positional uh, ideas. So first up, we've got Pommy, and he says, I think all Ruckman should have dual positional status. You know, Ruckman nowadays get pushed forward or on the wing. Why are they restricted to one position in Supercoach? So... This is obviously we can have a, a straightforward answer for you, Pommy, and say, ah, oh, you know, they play more than they don't play. You know, thirty-five percent of their time on the field in other positions, and that's why they don't get, uh, you know, DPP. But I guess for Ruckman and only Ruckman, I guess they become not Ruckman though if they get GPP. But let's say a player that has more Ruck than any other of the positional statuses. Why can't that threshold be lowered to like twenty five percent or thirty percent? You know, um, if a if a oh. player, you know, why why is it so strict at thirty five percent for Ruckman? And you know, I think uh, this is going to probably play into some other people's ideas coming up. But if a player plays, you know, thirty percent, thirty percent, thirty percent across three different, just give him the third status. Like, why does it have to have? Why are we limited to two? Like, I I don't understand why players can only have a maximum of two and why that number is 35% as the threshold. Like, why can't it be lowered and why can't they have more? And as Pommy wants, why can't Ruckman just have more positional statuses? Chizo, what are your thoughts? So two, two things I picked up on then. I like the, you know, um, so 35% is just an arbitrary number that they've picked up because they don't want players to have triple position status. And so if they have to meet 35%, they will never satisfy the third because you can't have more yeah. than 100%. So yeah. I understand that. Um, that's a decision they've gone, they've decided to go with. But I actually love the idea that um, you know more positional statuses would be super cool. Um, and it would make for more creative kind of play, I think, as well. Um, on On top of that, I think what you said there was if someone satisfies, you know, um, 50% ruck or, you know, they they've, they've play a certain percent to be considered a ruck, then the, they get one additional DPP that they only have to satisfy, you know, like their next highest percentage above 20%, whether that be forward or defence, whatever, is like the additional one that they get. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, you know, they, no, they, they, they don't. They cool. don't need to get thirty-five percent to get the second DVP if they're considered a ruck as their primary role. 
above a certain percent, then their second one is like their their next DPP. So Ruckman just aren't the bane of our existence just sitting there and we just pick the same two guys all year, every year. I love that, Chizo. I think that's an excellent recommendation. So, yeah, if, if someone's, you know, 80% Ruck and, you know, 15% something else, they just get that positional status. I think... Uh, that would be awesome. I, I, I just want to quickly, before I jump to JB's opinion, just mm. for you know more DPP. I think the worry back in the day, so when the game started, you know, let's talk before 2010 specifically, the midfielders all scored so many more points than the the forwards and the defenders, and and well, Ruckman have always scored relatively well, but they just scored so many points that I think the worry was that if everyone gets you know more DPP, there'll be more midfielders in the forward line and more midfielders in the back line and you'll just basically pick an entire 22 premiums of of midfielders. But the way the game is played now, like the actual game of AFL, that's that's translating to super coach points of, you know, and increased points of defenders and increased points of forwards. Um, Ruckman particularly is scoring just out of this world. I mean, I think all of us would pick six Ruckman probably before we we finished off our forward line if you know mm. those were the options um maybe what they could do instead it, it kind of could be a balance where um yes everyone has more dpp but maybe the salary cap is a little bit lower to start the year so you'd have to you can't just get 22 um, midfielders because you just don't have that money so you have to get some defenders or maybe there's some slots that are pure defensive and some slots that are defensive DPP. So, you know, three pure defenders and three defensive DPP. Um, I think there's a lot to play around with there just to get a balance right, and I think that could be um, really great as a, well. What about a maximum amount of DPP in a line? So, like, <laughs> forward and defense, you could only have three DPP-eligible players on field or something. Yeah. I mean, just some limits like that, I think that could be really cool. JB, how do you... I know now there's, like, that one... Original question has snowballed into like 20 different ideas, but do you have a general list of opinions for all of this? <laughs> um, nothing really that you guys haven't touched on already. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's that exploitable um, having Ruckman be DPP easier than other positions on the field um, or guaranteed, as Chizo kind of said. Um, I just, yeah, I, don't, I, I can't really can't really wrap my head around like the the pros and cons of it it just it's a bit of a weird one to be honest it's one that i have to see in action to say oh geez this is a bit too overpowered or um oh this was useless like we, we don't really use it at all type of thing so um i think marshall's the one that springs to mind i think we all would have owned marshall this year or in in future years as well as the two big ruckmen um but now he's probably someone that we go without for a, a little while until he gets forward status like sporadically over the next however many years so um yeah i do i do think it's yeah i don't know it's 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 a a hard one to really talk about because i haven't really gone through all the tactics in my head but i suppose like cheap ruckman as well like if you want to cash cow ruckman um and the dpp it's easier to fit them in your team without sacrificing one of the big two or big three whatever you see so yeah no i don't know I I, i honestly don't really have too much of an opinion on it just from here I've got one more idea. What if, you know, now that in the, the 2020 run rules that they've, you've, um, at throw-ins or whatever, you've got to have someone in the goal, scare, goal square and your forward 50. What if in our forward line we had to, like, pick a designated um, key forward or, you know, like a, a designated 
uh, forward ruck or something like that. Like they're one of the forwards was like a dedicated um, ruck DPP position or something. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, no. This, so this is Gibbo's uh, suggestion. He, he said um, he wants more positional changes, but he also wants there to be one key forward and one key back and one wing player selected, which kind of is what you said about you know having that forward that must start in the goal square. What happens if you have to select one key forward, one key back? I think just in terms of game ease for coding, I think it would just be easy to say you must select you know three pure forwards and then you could ha- pick you know th- three. Uh, DPP forwards. I think just having a limit on the uh, the amount, maybe not how many DPPs there are, like in terms of a cap of like you can't pick more than you know X DPPs in the line. I think maybe if you just say there must be three on field pure forwards and three on field pure backs, and then you do what you want with the rest of your team and increase DPPs. I think uh, that could certainly you know be a winner. I don't really. Uh, does this does this help the game though? Because, like, generally, I mean, Tom Hawkins has scored well over the last few years. Wouldn't everyone just have Tom Hawkins? Like, wouldn't this make the game more one He's got a good run coming up. You make a good point. <laughs> yeah, but, like, do you know what I mean? Like, surely there are, yeah. like, a maximum of three high-scoring fullbacks in a year. Like, everyone's going to have one of those three. Maybe, like, the cheapest one or maybe the, the highest, whatever whatever it is. But, like, there's surely that surely that limits our options in limits our creativity and differentials in our team by doing something like I, that. I, th- I, I don't think he means like a genuine... Oh, oh sorry. He might, uh, Gibbo might mean that, but I mean like when I when I say just like a pure back, I mean like someone that doesn't have PPP... Uh, PPP DPP, not necessarily Zach Dawson. Yeah, but like Whitfield, Whitfield didn't have DPP this year, did he? Or, or someone... So, there's always someone that we actually do end up having that doesn't have DPP. Like yeah, Jake Lloyd. Yeah, Jake Lloyd's one of them. Um, there's 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 multiple in the forward line. There's multiple in the midfield line. I just don't know how this changes our team building. I, at I, all. I think it relates to the increase in DPP. So let's say, for example, we drop the threshold to thirty percent, and suddenly you've got fifty percent more DPP players this year to stop suddenly every team being full of midfielder forwards or midfielder backmen that suddenly gain eligibility you put a threshold on how many DPP players you have so you you would still pick your Jake Lloyds you would still pick your Rory Lairds but you can't just um, fill the rest of your side so it's forcing you to pick um, like because you, you, you wouldn't yeah if you, JB, did, if you didn't I, I get have that you'd end up yeah, yeah I, no, I, Jamie, I think this, I, I think, yeah, I think yeah. this limits our team building Rather than expands it, I think this makes out it makes it so we we have more common teams rather than more creative. But you'd have teams. more DPP, so you'd have more defenders to pick from. Yes, but then we have of the of the limited that we have to not pick from or to pick a limited amount from. We all have that limit of amount yeah, of players. So JB saying if you have to pick Everyone's a pure have defender that doesn't have DPP, there's less of them now because there's more DPP. And so then, if there's and, less pure oh, defenders, okay, everyone would pick the same one. But yeah, I think sure. how you get around that is, again, um, in combination with another rule of, you know, if there was less money to go around, I would say the JB, I'd say if there's more DPP so you can get more sneaky mid-defenders in your side, would you rather pay, um, I mean, this is a bad example because the answer is yes, but it wouldn't work <laughs> so much for Tom Hawkins, but uh, would you rather pay, you know, 650 k for Jake Lloyd or would you oh, rather pay... Discount. Would you rather pay, you know, four hundred k for a different pure defender, but then spend six hundred and fifty k on, like, you know, Scott Pendlebury as a mid defender? 
Couldn't I weird? just start like a rookie and generate cash until I can upgrade to those people anyway? A rookie that's not DPP? Probably. You know, there's, there's definitely <laughs> just, exploits. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get with every rule change so far and, and think of the positives and negatives, but I'm not big on this one. I don't, I don't <laughs> no, want to sit enough. here being a negative net to you about our being no, a no. negative net to you about the game, but... Um, no, no, I, I think that's that's fine. I think you just don't yeah. then say you have to pick a pure forward or pure defender. You just have pick whatever I you mean, want to pick. At, in essence, DPP is fun. Uh, the more DPP we have, I think the more creativity then any funneling from there on, I think then sort of contradicts that entire um, yeah. idea. But if, if we do have more DPP, whether it be in the ruck or in every position on the field, I think we'll find more creative teams, which is good. I think that's that's yeah. what a lot of people are trying to like push towards. And I don't think that being, I don't see that being a negative. Yeah. I, th- I think my point towards being in favor of it is because, there's certain DPPs that just don't exist. It's so easy to become uh, forward mid, but it's so seldom that you actually have a functional, you know, defender mid DPP. So, you know, like half of us like held on to Stasevich for 20 weeks longer than we wanted, longer than we wanted to, just because he had that ability to swap with Rivers or whatever as a, a, a like a, a bench option, like. We do. We're able to swap Dusty into the midfield whenever we need to change things, and we're so used to being creative that way, and just not being forced to burn trades just because there's no flexibility. But in the defence line, for example, there's always ah, well, I can't do anything about it. I've just got to get rid of him because none of them have DPP. I think that for me, that's the thing why I'm so pro about making it easier for yeah, more, more players P- to become more DPP, DPP equals good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Dutha coming in next. He's got a, a couple of ideas here, quite a few actually. Um, there are he wants to see uh, coaches being able to rotate the three players with dual positions without needing to have the trade available and using a little trick. That's a no you know, brainer. the ones where you, yeah, where you get defense midfielders, um, forward mids, and uh, defender forwards, and be able to DPP all of them into different positions. So you know, the forward goes. So in if the you midfield, don't have a trade, midfield. you can't do it. Yeah, because the only way to do it at the moment is by pre- clicking on the yeah. trade button, swapping all three of them around, and then trading somebody out. And then you trade that player that you've just traded in back to the yeah. original player. You get your trade refunded, and all your players have swapped yeah. you know, three That's positions. That's just a coding thing. I think that, that needs to happen. That one goes without saying that needs to be in the game. Yeah. yeah. That needs that, to that's be just a, they in. haven't got around to it yet, I think. Yeah, so we, we that needs to be fixed, I think, because it's particularly... With you know festival of football upon us, and if lineups are coming out the day before, and you don't know the fixtures super much, mm. you know before, I think being able to let us be flexible, knowing that the yeah. AFL fixtures are going to be also flexible as well, um, you know, no one wants to be caught out just on a technicality, just because Hel- it didn't helps have the a trade. casuals as well. So you're going to have more people engaged because they're able to do things that they weren't, you know, people that don't know this game inside out, probably don't know that exists. You know, how many inboxes do you get a, a fortnight asking, you know, how can I change these three players around? And you explain it a dozen times. It's just yep. one a fortnight. People, people, yeah, people just haven't done it, you know. So if they make it easier, the casuals will be more engaged. Yeah, it should be there. It should be there. Duff, Duffer's next one is, he says, why don't we just have one bench position for each line and then four utility positions which are just it could be anyone at all so you just get more flexibility so essentially instead of having a, a bench where you have two defenders on your bench two forwards on your bench three midfielders and one ruck 
you just have one for everything and then four and you could pick four forwards. You could just pick four of the best rookies. Um, you know, you're not defined by what is on, you know, the amount of slots you, available wait, on the field. A question for the uh, the host here. In your opinion, reading the question, do, do you think, how do you think the emergency system would work for that? So I think you would just have whichever player is listed as your bench forward, bench defender, bench midfielder, bench ruck, they're automatically your emergency if someone misses a game. Okay. Like they're the ones that come on and the utilities are kind of like secondary to those four. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think that's good. Um, you would, I mean, really, you would just have the, the best four rookies for cash generation purposes. Um, unless one, yeah. of the, one of the rookies would like you're really sketchy, had bad job security or injury risk, and then maybe you know stock up a little bit more in that position just in case. But um, essentially, it sounds like it would just help cash generation, um, and that's about it, which I don't see as a negative. I think it makes the game a little bit easier as well, so um, easier for casuals to stick around, uh, easier for people to get to full premium, which I don't really see as a bad thing. I think people think that the game needs to get more difficult um, to be more enjoyable, I think if it get, if it gets a little percentage easier, and we get more variety in, in the players that we ha- we can pick instead of being funneled into Bailey Smith this year and, and such, like I, I do think the game becomes enjoyable in a different way. So um, I, I don't know. I see this idea as a pretty good one. Yeah, Chizo, what do you think of it? I think yeah. I, I originally thought uh, well, if you've got four. Uh, utilities plus a midfielder bench. Suddenly, you're gonna, it's going to be a five midfield bench just generating cash. Because um, usually, a lot of the the better scoring rookies in past years were mids that you know you just didn't have enough slots to start generating that cash. But then, I kind of on the flip side, think about how many times this season did we have to forego a rookie because we didn't have an open slot in that line? You know, I mean? like you might you might already have two forwards that haven't topped out in price yet, and you've got a ignore one of the rookies because you don't have a you, there's no way you can bring him in um so i kind of see both sides to that coin I'm, i don't know where i stand uh i think overall like you said jb it would help cash generation which in 2020 would have been a super helpful thing i think um, but in future years where hopefully everything's back to normal and we can plan a fortnight or three weeks ahead of time might not be as necessary yeah, I think this is... That would help emergencies the... for sure because you could just go, this is my emergency, thank you. Yes, yeah, so that's what I was about to say. I think this is one of the best ideas that we've had um, so far just because it's very clear who the emergency is. Like there's no... I guess you could technically emergency no lower score or something from the utility position. So like, for example, your rookie would play first and then, you know, if somebody on your field... Um, Sorry, if your emergency did really well, someone on your field, you could swap with a utility. Um, But I just think that I needed two playing forwards or two playing defenders on my bench to avoid rookies, that to avoid donuts so many times this year that Mm. I wouldn't get four midfield rookies in those utility spots. I know that they make more money, but I would just be eating the donuts then. So I really like this idea. I, I... think there's that high risk high reward play where if you want to get four mid rookies you know go for it but geez you'd better have really secure um defenders and and forwards so i i'm i'm a fan of this idea i'm actually a fan of any idea that simplifies the emergency situation um i know i'm getting sidetracked but one of the things i least like about the game i think 
is just the emergency loopholing and how you have to be really on top of everything just to do it. Um, I just find it less fun. I think, um, you know, being able to do it on every line and stuff. And I think it's, I know when I use it to win in the head to head, it kind of feels a bit cheap as well. I, I just think that there is some, some room to move. Um, I think I'll just throw in my other idea into Duffers if, if, if he doesn't mind. Um, my idea that I had uh, written down here is just that your first bench slot is, so let's say you've got um, six forwards and you have your forward seven, your F7 and your F8. Your F7 would automatically just be subbed on as your forward emergency if somebody misses a game. And if your F7 doesn't play, then your F8 will get subbed on. So you don't need to set, you know, you don't have four emergencies and you need to pick one from every line. It's just whichever one is in it, the first bench slot comes on first and whoever's in the second bench slot comes on second, like as straightforward as that. I like that too. Um, you're, Can you not still loophole though? You could if you pick, you know, non-playing players. But I think even with Duffer's idea and with this idea, just the nature of the game having a rolling lockout I think if there's a rolling lockout that you're, you're going to be able to do emergency loopholes and there's nothing we can really do about it I so, like this though it kind of takes away from the risk as well um, as in the risk of like not emergency loopholing for example like I, 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 do, I do think I think both ideas generally generally would help the game yeah. um, a lot so I, I don't know I think it's like it's like they, they put the bench in there um, at one stage, they, they, I think they took out a ruck bench spot and added it to the midfield section, yep. if, the, if I'm right there. Yep. Um, other than that, they really haven't touched the bench situation or the emergency situation since the game um, pretty much started. So I think, there's a, a, I think there's work and potential to be done on the bench of Supercoach. Um, so anything, I think, any change there is almost going to be a positive one. So now we've got Duffer's, uh, he's taken his ideas to the next level of craziness here. Uh, he says, players who play less than a third of the season have their discount applied to their average of their last three seasons rather than just the you know seven or so games that they played that year. So, for example, uh, often we see a player like Raul, uh, well, I mean, Raul's a bad example because he's a first-year player, but let's pretend Raul had, you know, Four years of averaging a hundred. Um, he's now played four, four games, an average of like a hundred again, or one hundred and twenty. Oh wow, I've picked the worst example yeah, for this one. <laughs> the only example you couldn't the worst pick. Example. That's unreal. That is Sam Doherty's a great example, Jeezo. I'm going to go with <laughs> Sam Doherty. Instead of being, you know, actually Sam Doherty played out full season and then got injured, didn't he? It's more for players that just played, you know, six games and then are meant to get this massive, you know, discount. I think uh, what Duff is saying is instead of just based on those six games and discounting them on it, um, take their last three years of Supercoach scores and I then average them out. at some point would have, been, would have been good for this. Yeah, just so that they're not like ridiculously cheap and kind of game-breaking cheap. So I, I don't think that's a bad suggestion. I'm just not sure how. I know he said where applicable if there's not enough data. Um, but there's something to it. It's definitely a food for thought idea. Um, jumping to the next one, he says, uh, coaches should have the ability to play players out of position where they play on a line that's not their designated position, but they only get 80% of their score. So a midfielder that averages 100, if he was played in the forward line he and he scored 100, he would only get 80 points. 
What do you think of that, Chizo? It's going to be complicated for the casual user, I think. Yeah. Okay. That fair. JB? I I just I just don't really like it at all. Uh, I I like I I love the outside the box thinking. But I also like the risk aspect in who you select. I like the fact that we had to um, chase poor rookies or um, players that we didn't want to in defense this year because of the situation of we might get donuts or um, it did force us to make trades there. If I could have just plugged in one of my midfield rookies and got 80% of you know their score of 60 or whatever, um, it would have been a lot less stressful, uh, which is, I suppose, kind of good for the casual, but... Um, I don't want to eliminate all the tactics from the game sort of thing. I don't want to eliminate all the risk. Um, I think it's kind of too... It's a little too foolproof for like people just making their teams, closing their eyes, picking 102k players like on their you know second bench options and stuff like that, and then just going, oh, no, I'm getting a donut here. I'm just going to sub in you know my midfield bench option instead. So uh, I'm not big on it. Yep. No, fair enough. We'll jump into his next one. He says... And his last one, um, he wants a new utility role to be introduced for players who have played 30% game time in three different roles, which then enables them to be played in any position for their full 100% of their score. So I think that one kind of is in combination of the previous one. But I think we're all in agreement that the 35% threshold just is doesn't really make as much sense as it, it used to. And you know, mm. dropping it to even 30%, would be really good for the game and potentially even lower, um, you know, more D- DPP is probably a good thing with how the game is progressing at the moment. Any thought uh, it, thoughts with that one, Chiso? I thought it was super cool. I don't know when it was, when we did a sort of podcast like this a few a while back and you kind of were talking about the utility role and the only game that didn't get a utility role was Supercoach. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. Like, wow. Fantasy world must have listened. Yeah, they they had that the exact idea that I said then was implemented into their game. So now you know how um, cheese on I feel minds. from earlier in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, okay, so the next one we have from Zen Master Tony. He just says, um, "Why don't we just change positions throughout the year to reflect the real positions players are in? So add new positions to make them dual positions. So essentially, what happens in Ultimate Footy and what happens in AFL Fantasy, mm. where players' positions are changed based on the role that they are playing. So if a defender moves forward for the whole season at uh, certain points, maybe around six or around ten, um, they're now off." A forward defender rather than just a pure defender. How how do you go with that one, JB? Um, I, I haven't played AFL Fantasy, so I, I don't know how successful it is there. But predicting, I suppose, predicting a player that's going to get a position change, you can almost predict it from the preseason um, as to them getting a position change in round six or ten or whenever it happens. So, um, I suppose the only thing I think of is like I plan out my premiums like really early like who I want on what line and buy structures etc um, this kind of throws a spanner but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um, if something pops up and someone's performing really well and I can now you know maybe there's 10 good defenders already and I can now pick them as a forward or a midfielder potentially where um, they'd fit right in and it allows me to get a better defender instead of a worse a forward uh, like I don't, I don't know if that made complete sense to everyone but um, essentially if if those th- options did pop up during the year, then like you just have to adjust your plans and predict who's going to be where and then trade them in accordingly. I don't mind it. Um, I'd love to hear some negatives from someone because I'm trying to think of them and like it's 
I, I think it's a pretty good pre like I think it's a pretty good idea. Um, I can't really see it. Like I can't see the negatives, Pistol. I need I need something to like convince me otherwise. Well, I think Chizo might might yeah, do that for me. <laughs> I, I've got a, I've got an idea. Like the the way that I see it is that the adding of DPP during the year is to compensate coaches for the fact that the thirty five percent threshold doesn't leave us often enough with suitable candidates in multiple lines. So quite often um, in AFL fantasy at round six, you'll suddenly have a defender midfielder that you haven't had previously. I remember at the last year I played it, I, I ended up with like Connor Blakely had a DPP. I remember like Mundy had DPP that they picked up during the year. And you can kind of make the assumption like, hey, I reckon this guy's going to get DPP and you can kind of jump the gun and get them before they get that change and then everyone else is trying to rush to get them in but you've beaten the pack. So I like that idea but I think that's counteracting the fact that we're lobbying for a lower percentage so you have more DPPs available to start the year. I think you either have one or the other. You either have um, the how they play during the year determines whether they get new eligibility during the year or new you lower the percentage sorry the the they they we lower the percentage to become eligible for a DPP at the start of the year so you've already got the multitude of options to select from so i think you know if Otherwise, because if, if you let people gain DPP and you've also dropped the percentage to get DPP to 20%, suddenly every player in the game is DPP. Yeah, I, I agree what you're saying with Chiso. I think, uh, JB, if I was going to throw back when you said if you wanted a negative, um, if I take Mundy as an example, um, you know, Mundy getting defensive, defensive status throughout a year, you're like, you know, you beauty, there's suddenly this top six defender that wasn't selectable at the very beginning of the season. But some people may have started with, you know, five premium defenders and then suddenly they've already got their full defensive yeah. line and then okay. Monday's available. That's what I was and other, yeah. yeah, other people were just like, oh, well, now I've got a better defender than you. But, if, you know, the opposite way is in the midfield line, there's not going to be a player that, you know, if Jai Simkin gets a midfield status, you're still playing him in the forward line. Yeah, You're not going to exactly. play him in the midfield. Yeah. So you may as well start midfield heavy. Um, yeah, it's not like... Oh, Toby Green's got midfield status. Get him in. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you've really no, picked him point, as a forward. So. <laughs> uh, we've got Zen Master Tony again. He said, what happens if we add in chips like FPL, triple captain, free hit, wildcard, etc.? So for those that don't play Fantasy Premier League, um, essentially it's a... Uh, a chip is like a one-time special ability that you get to use at some stage of the season. Uh, triple captain is pretty self-explanatory. Instead of getting double points for a captain, you get triple points for a captain. Um, a wild card lets you just change your entire team over. And a free hit lets you change your entire team over, but then it reverts back to what it was the very next round. So I don't think some of them translate well into Supercoach because a wild card, for example, um, you know, you could have all these rookies that are, you know, 250K, you press a wild card and suddenly you replace all of them with 120K and you just inject a million dollars onto your field that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, so I don't think a wild card or a free hit type deal would work for Supercoach. But I mean, a triple captain, it just increases, I guess, some variance in the game, which is not a bad thing, but is it like is it worth making the change, do you think, JB? I don't mind triple captain. I was going to say the same thing as you did uh, with wildcard and free hit, but <clears throat> maybe there's some scope for other ideas, and maybe this could go into like what we were talking about earlier with the custom league thing, is um, maybe you can input these, but... 
Um, like maybe instead of free hit, you get like you get to spend three trades for a round or something like that instead. Um, or like uh, it's, I mean, it's hard to think of them off the off the spot. But I think there's some sort of untapped potential. Um, it could potentially. I don't think it'll ever go down that route. So I think it's it's kind of a null conversation. But um, I think it could make things interesting, add a bit more of a skill element to the game. Um, I know personally a lot of people that play FPL um, that really get disinterested when people are playing their free hits and wild cards at tactical times because they're just not that far into the game. So um, I don't think it's great for casuals. But even like even if it was just a triple captain once a year that you could use, I think that would be pretty cool. I think triple captain has a place somewhere in Supercoach, um, whether it's just in a draft format or something like that, I don't know, but um, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate Triple Captain being implemented, but the others are a bit bit too, uh, bit too much of a reach. And Chizo, what are your opinions on it? Well, I don't mind it in the F1 fantasy that I play. They've got um, their Triple Captain that you get used like three or four <laughs> times a season or something like that where you get to whack it on an individual for that round. So, like, if you, if you knew that, um, I don't know, someone had a really good matchup and you were just super confident they were going to go really big, you could chuck your, your triple captain on there um, for that game. I think I, I think that would add... It, it's it's a, a cool factor that would help casuals, but also it's still got some skill into it that you do have to... You can't just chuck it on. You can't just burn it in the first three weeks. You do have to use it tactically as well, rather than just every week it gets you get a triple captain. Yeah, I think the problem would be for league gameplay. I think this would be one of those things that needs to split again between league and overall because otherwise you just save it for the finals, right? If you're playing league, you'd just be like, all right, I'll do it in all the yeah. final rounds. Or if you use it that, to get into the finals and you get buggered. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's where I kind of mentioned like the custom thing. It could, it could be something that could go in there, but like we're talking about that as if it already exists. But I think... It do, it will it does have like some sort of potential in Supercoach. I think it would be really cool, but I think we're a ways away from seeing it. Yeah, yeah. So next up, there was just a guy that commented on the Facebook post. Just a didn't guy. Send, didn't he? Didn't send it in as uh, instructed to the email, and I've forgotten to take his name, so I apologize. But he oh, said, "What happens if you can't? <laughs> what happens if you can't trade in a player that you've already traded out?" before um, I had a bit of a think about this because my gut instinct was like oh yeah that's cool and then I thought about ways in that it would be a bit broken and things like you know one week injuries where or, or two week injuries where Nat Fife's going to drop 100k and everybody else is going to get him you and you don't him. want him but you can't drop him yeah. like you can't do it because you'll never be able to get him back and um, that's not that's even more stressful that you've already had an injured player get KO'd and you've lost money, you but might lose a trade, and you know that you you can't get him back. Like I just think it. But imagine how many, many more negative finishes you'd have if you couldn't trade in Rockliffe eight times a year. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I'd be doing so much better. Um, I'm gonna. There's not too many more ideas um, left. Only only from two different people. But uh, I'm gonna touch on Benny's first. He's got some some super coach website functional ideas. Um, he says. I'm going to I'm going to summarize what he says actually because I want to add to it because um, he makes some fantastic points. Uh, Benny pretty much says we've got a rivalry function where I'm not sure if you guys have ever used it before, but you can add up teams as rivals, and then it kind of just as the season goes, it just tells you if you 
had a higher score than them that week. And it yep. says, you know, you've beaten them one time or you've lost to them <laughs> one time. Um, and he just said, why doesn't the rival page have like game day where you can see each other's teams and live scores? Yep. And I'm like, that's a no-brainer, right? Because if I add you as a rival and I'm not in your, any of your leagues, I want to I be able to see your team. Like, I want to be able to have, like, a head-to-head each week. Great. Otherwise, why would I go to the point of adding, you know, a rival to it? So and you can only find out if you absolute... win at the end of the round. I, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer there. I actually had a couple of people message me asking to add me, like, asking for my team name so they can add me as a rival for the season. Same. And that sort of, that sort of sparked me to think, oh, maybe I should do this with other people. I did it with someone and assumed that it would have that functionality of comparing teams on game day. It doesn't, and I was I I just got rid of it. I didn't look at it again for the rest of the season. Like I don't understand the purpose if it's not like a game day situation. Like I'm versing this person every week. I'm comparing myself to a better player or or whatever or someone who I listen to or someone who is my mate. But like I don't verse them every week, whatever. Um, and it just doesn't have that functionality. It blows my mind. It's like the the triple DP that we talked about earlier, the swing. Like it should be in the game, but it's not. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't mean to toot my own horn. I got added quite a bit by rivals, and I was just like, "What's what's the point?" Like, I I don't understand. They can't follow I my was team. Modest and so I had a couple of people message and just goes, "Yeah, I mean, I've got more I was than you." That's, that's what I wanted to messages say. Messages and letters <laughs> to my house. <laughs> Benny also says uh, he wants the ability to set up a rivalry league. So um, instead of whoa, having... is that trademarked? No, no. So he, he means that in terms of you have a league. So let's be careful say my using personal, that word, Benny. He's trying to take out my, <laughs> my my personal league, and I want a rivalry with JB's personal league of his family and friends. And then you can kind of see head to head on total points and how your league is going compared to their league. Um, I think as well, it's almost impossible for me as a user on the Supercoach website to find JB's family league. And friends league um, because it's nowhere near the top, so you can't. scrolling forever. What do you mean? Whereas <laughs> you'd be able to just go to the league page and just find my family league right near the top. I'm in so, that league. <laughs> yeah, no, you are in, in, in that one too. But it's just the ability is not there to search for leagues and be able to compare the total points of the leagues. Well, that's so the best drive by you've ever done. What just happened? <laughs> I'm I'm stunned. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll move on then um, to the draft idea that. Um, H has come up with basically I don't make know if it I functional. Say it's a, yeah, great idea, H. Just just is, make the draft side of the league <laughs> functional. Do you know I was in two draft leagues this year and I couldn't get past the live draft page because it never loaded my team. Yeah. I'd never had the option to see what my team was, so I had a keeper league this year that I literally could not play. Yeah, it's. Uh, a little bit buggy. Let's call it that, Chizo. Buggy. It, it has oops, minor bugs. Um, and he, in particular, is saying he wants to know or wants to is concerned with how poor the Keeper League options are. Mm. The Keeper League options are not really Keeper Leagues. It's basically the same size bench and draft uh, format as a standard draft, which a Keeper League, it's... You want to play keeper league because you want to keep players. You want to have more squad yep. size. Um, you know, having thirty or forty people is what you want in a keeper league draft. You, you don't want to be drafting eighteen players. Um, and on the same note, you don't want to just be keeping two players. I don't understand why 
we can't be keeping as many players customizable. You know, I want to keep 24 players every season. Um, it just doesn't really make sense why that functionality is not in the game. And he pretty much said everyone, at least that he's playing with, would love to play it on the Supercoach website, but they're forced to look elsewhere yeah. just because it just doesn't have the functionality as some of the other keeper leagues about. We so, played out in a, um, what we play ours in a, in an Excel spreadsheet for a couple of years. Excel. Yeah, we did. We used the Supercoach scoring and had to do it in Excel. And we, we played it for, you know, I've, I've been part of a Dream Team Keeper League for like eight years and... Um, the Supercoach one we had going was about four years or so, so five years, but most of it we had to do in Excel and a lot of Chizo just going backwards and forwards between the Excel sheet and the actual um, website to be able to kind of even try to half make it work. But yeah. I think However um, much effort's been put in so far, it needs to be timed by about 400. It's shocking. And, and the thing is, for those that have never played a Keeper League before, like Keeper League's when done right, are like so much fun. They're more fun than overall. They're more fun than just standard yep. leagues. Keeper le- or for me anyway, keeper leagues no, and like are. in particular dynasty leagues where you can pick like 40 players on your list and watch, you know, first year draftees from pick 50 grow up to be, you know, a, a gun player. Like a, a Luke Parker, for example, five years down the track. It's so rewarding. for. But it, I realise that it only... That, that fulfills a small percentage of us nut jobs that just absolutely love this game. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of people that would give it a go, even, and then there's once you give it a go, jobs, a, you, you, you get hooked, right? Because you're not just invested in your your team for that year; it's about the next year, and it's about the next year after that. And every draft pick matters, you know. Yep. Um, being even able to trade players and I know we had to do trading draft picks and players like combinations in Excel but you know that would be ideal if it was all through one website you know being able to trade future picks and stuff like that that is you know the gold standard but I don't think that we're we're well away from that we we just kind of want the keeper league just the base settings to be uh, updated Mm. and functional I think um I would love to introduce, you know, a bunch of players that have never played a draft league or a keeper league before into that. You know, that would be bloody fantastic. Yeah. All right. So that's everybody's ideas for the podcast. I've got a couple oh, that I'm on. just going to... We've we've discussed it before, but I just want to retouch on some and, and get your ideas. Um, most of these ones are purely to try and help with, um, you know, game engagement rather than... Uh, potential you know strategy and stuff like that it's i just want to make you know lessen the dead teams have people that are engaged longer into the season um so for starters i think the captaincy loophole i think we've had plenty of discussions about this in the past about what the best way is and you know how to make it work i think just getting the highest score of the vice captain or the captain yep and then there's no loophole make it happen you just put you put Gorn and Grundy, your VC and C, and if one goes 140 and one goes 120, great, you get 280 points. You get the highest one. The two, you don't need to loophole. You don't need to stress on the weekend. Yep. Um, it's essentially doing what the loophole does already, but it just means you not have to be there and time the gaps between the matches, and you don't need to log on and set the timers on your phone to make sure you get there in time. You have and- two players playing each other in the same game that are vice-captain, yes. captain as well. It doesn't limit your options like it like what happens currently. The loophole is just a big cheat that only half of us can be bothered doing, and we all XL past the casuals by doing it, and 
Like I don't like I, I don't even like doing it. I'd rather it just disappear. I honestly I don't think any of us really enjoy doing it, but we have no. to get the competitive advantage because it's right there in front of us. Correct. And it's like if it's there, you have to do it just to keep up with everyone else that's doing it. But no one really wants to do it. So I think just removing the loophole and just putting the VC so you get the highest one, great, everyone's able to do it. Just no brainer to me. Um Chizo, what are your opinions on that? I absolutely agree. I, I think that it, the loopholing altogether should just be, you should just get rid of it. Whether we keep the same emergency um, s- system where we have two defenders and whatever, you just get the high score, come on field. And then likewise, VCNC, you just get the high score because the amount of frustration and and casuals that just give up because they screw their loophole up or... You know, just there's so many things to go wrong and you've got to set alarms all the time to wait to make sure that you're available the five minutes between one game ending where you can check the pre-scaled scores and you don't even get to see the scaled scores before you have to make a decision whether you want to take it. And then it, it just... I don't find that part of it fun. And I'd we rather, I'd rather that simplified. Like in some point of our team, we start a zero just it's so usually we have R3. a option. Yeah, like just that's unreal to me. That w- yeah, that's how that's how much of a competitive advantage it is. We're giving up free cash gen when there are options there, just to do this loophole. And I don't know about you guys, but when this when they first introduced rolling lockouts, I mean, oh my god, from the heavens, am I right? Um, rolling lockouts are amazing, <laughs> but we all found this loophole in the first year that we were all doing. And I don't know about you guys, but I expected it to be quote unquote patched for the second year. Um, but it's just not been patched. It feels it's, it's like it's a cheating. feature. It it is it. Like it's it. I I just yeah. I don't know. I I really dislike it. If we did the the best out of VCC or something along those lines that eliminated the loophole, it would be it would make the game far more enjoyable for casuals and like the diehards. Yeah, I think so as well. The next idea, um, which is very out there again, focusing on engagement, was. Uh, Starting the season with 28 trades instead of 30, um, but then receiving four trades when Supercoach Finals hits. So the reason for this was so that um, all those people that say, I only play for league, I don't play for overall, it means that everyone can play for overall because as soon as final hits, you get plus four trades and you get to use them in the final series. So that's just to make overall gameplay more competitive because it's not split now between... Um, league play and overall play it's just everyone's going to try for overall and everyone's going to have a little bit more trades in general and you know hopefully that um, because they're only accessed later in the year it just keeps the engagement rolling throughout the whole season instead of you know burning out by round 16 like me and then being like oh well I'm just going to pray for the best Uh, let's see how we go you know having that extra four at the end of the season I think uh, would would help a lot How, how do you think about that one Chizo? I'm trying to decide what's less complicated between the two, but having you know 28 trades and then just getting four for finals, or having separated overall and league teams that you can like set. I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That that's you wouldn't do both of those ideas. Yeah. It's the purpose is so that you didn't have to separate them, but I think. I'd rather separate them because the customizable leagues idea is so enjoyable for me. Like that's something I would really, really, really love. 
is the customizable league. So that's why I'd prefer that option. But if we don't get that option, then, you know, I think this is kind of like a, some sort of happier medium between those two things. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think if we were going to go that route where leagues and uh, overall teams are still the exact same team and it's all relying on trades, then yeah, give them, give them some, some trades for finals week, I think. All right, JB, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I was going to answer the same way that Chizo did. Uh, I think customizable leagues eliminates this problem. And like honestly, if anyone is listening to this that has any sway um, in the, the the people that do super coach, um, the the big heads, that like we what what did you call them? The, like the, the fat cats of super coach. Okay, oh, okay. I, I just was, was making sure you. I thought you said something else. I thought heads. you were causing no, 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 drama. No, 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 we love them. We love them. They're, okay. they're, they're our friends. Okay. It's going to be really um, funny when I beat that in post. No, 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 no. Don't. Please don't beep it. Please don't beep it. That, that would make it seem very offensive. Um, not, not offensive at all. Um, if anyone has any sway with the, the superiors at Supercoach, um, that customizable league idea is so, so good and would be so beneficial to everyone. Um, the trade thing that you're suggesting, Pistol, I think is decent. Like, I... I, I don't really see it as a negative i don't see it as a, a huge positive i think it just is what it is i think people would still play for league um regardless of that though so like i don't think it's really a, a mr fix it i think that custom a customizable league thing is a genuine fix to to having people engaged and um playing both styles of the format and and just like so much more engagement right there at the fingertips yeah no, fair enough. And my my last written idea was the same as Beck's about having, you know, fifty percent or less time on ground, not altering the price changes. So um, I'm not sure. I know you guys were not super keen on that one, unless Maybe it was it's a smaller percentage specific. drop or something. I, I like know. it. Yeah, like I do agree. There's something there, but I I just don't want to I don't want to eliminate the risk of taking injury prone players because it should be a risk, and and it's the reason people don't select them. Um, but the concussion thing, yeah, that's yeah, that's something that's like very serious in the game. We should we should have something yep. there. Yeah, no, I, I after hearing your points, I've changed my thinking. I I do agree with you guys. I think they picking injury prone player, you know, you kind Suffer of reap what you sow type yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I am f- for you on that one. I just think you know. Geez, I think we've all been burnt by those concussions, and yeah, it just hurts so much. Like, especially if it's on a unique player as well. Um, or an and, expensive you know, player. Yeah, it's it, even, unfortunately, Matty Raul um, was, had a negative break even. So basically, you know, wasn't going to fall in price and we were able to trade him out. But it's very different than if it's a pick, you know, 650k player getting KO'd on zero points. Ah, oh, it's the worst feeling that you've, you everyone else is going to get him in the whole game, yeah. and you can't, you're going to have to pay 650k for another midfielder, and everyone else is paying 400k for this for the same quality midfielder. Yeah. You know, it just hurts. And I, and, I, I uh, hope and, they, sorry, <clears throat> sorry. I was just going to say with the whole trying to make. I don't know if this is even like what Supercoach is trying to do, but if they were trying to make teams more unique, having that concussion thing there would be very very like it would make teams more unique um, yeah it would by leaving it leaving it as it is is counteractive to having teams be unique by the end of the season 
Um, I don't know if that's even on their radar as a thing that they care to fix or change or whatever. Um, it is what it is probably, but if that were, then having a concussion protocol in place would really help with that. Yeah, I, I, th- I think uh, unique teams would probably be beneficial because just in terms of the articles you know, for, that people are writing and the content, even on podcast content, if we have to go on and just say, yep, everyone get five this week because he's 300K, you know, that's not a fun week. Like, it's just, you know, set in stone. Um, it's definitely more fun if we get to pick between, you know, five different options or, or something like that. So, um, totally in agreement there. I'm just wondering, uh, Chizo, you were trying to talk uh, just before with JB. Yeah, um, did, he, did he steal your point? or No, not at all. I was add? making a joke. I was saying, wouldn't it be cool if there was a... <laughs> Uh, some AFL players out there playing Supercoach and they did a hammy and they're like, oh, but my head, that hurts. So they could get us that extra, <laughs> they, they could trade themselves out of their team. <laughs> that would be, that'd be pretty funny. It's, I mean, head injuries probably not. Or so just a really dramatic ping a hammy and face plant. Just like, oh, I am now concussed. <laughs> just forced face plants. Um, all Was right, it the guys, Angus we'll... Graham who did the full body cramp or whatever? <laughs> I'm not sure. You've lost me. Oh, come How on. You've you got to remember Jesus. the full body cramp. Yeah, yeah, vaguely. I'm just You're saying lying. that to... Are we still on air? Make it all <laughs> no, totally, totally, totally still here. Oh. Um, as a, as a wrap-up, uh, <laughs> wanted to wrap up. Obviously, there is the trade period that has finished and the draft has, well, is about to, to start, Chizo. I know you're mm. keen on the draft. I think... Uh, there's going to be more podcasts in the imminent future. Um, there will be plenty to discuss. But thank you guys for joining me on a casual Sunday afternoon um, so we could discuss, you know, the uh, the state of Supercoach and hopefully give some positive ideas and, you know, benefit the game long term. So, yeah, thanks very much for, for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, mate. Excellent. Uh, make sure if you have an idea to add now after listening to the podcast, find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find our general Supercoach page on Twitter. Wow, I can't even remember what the handle is. It's Dr. Underscore SC. Um, <laughs> Chizo is uh, Chizo underscore DRSE. Uh, JB at JB underscore DRSE. And myself at Pistol underscore DRSE. Otherwise, we will catch you very soon. Thank you for listening, community.